Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welcome to How to Survive with Danielle and Christine, the show that teaches you how to survive the things that could kill you. Like a head-on collision? Mm. A rat infestation? How about a demonic haunting? (laughs) And the things that just make you wish you were dead. How about texting gruesome photos? Mm. Or having to put your hand in a porta potty? No, thank you. Getting caught in a haunting hoax? Ooh, that sounds intriguing. Let's get to the song. Love it. Welcome to How to Survive with Danielle and Christine. I'm Danielle. I'm Christine. Christine, how are you? I have so many things. Oh, okay, good. I have no things. So what are your things? Gosh, where to begin? Um, I had this realization. This is not even what I was going to start talking about. But then it popped into my head that it makes sense that we're doing a podcast. Yeah. Because when I was a kid, one of my favorite things to do with a tape recorder was to pretend I was a DJ. A music DJ or... A like a radio DJ, like a radio host, you know, like an Alex Jones, <laughs> <laughs> like a tiny little those Barbies beheaded themselves. <laughs> exactly, it was an inside job. This was a conspiracy. <laughs> um, a false flag. Exactly. Uh, you know, like coming up next, Olivia Newton John. Um, and then, did you play the music? I don't know. I just remember doing the recording and how fun that was with a tape recorder and. Here we are. So interestingly enough, my brother and I used to do what we called radio shows. Yes. And we recorded them. Um, we, I don't know if we wrote them out ahead of time. We must have because they were full of, you know, jokes and stuff. Yes. Like we did, we may have stolen this, but we did the toilet bowl instead of the twilight zone or something. I love that. And uh, yeah, we did lots of comedy bits. And then I, th- I would make my friends do them with me too when my brother wasn't around. I'm not sure if they enjoyed that or not, but yeah. I remember doing it my yeah, with my, 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 I would have to go to my mom's job with her after school uh-huh. and they had kids and we oh, would do it together. Fun. Yeah. My jokes were not good. Oh, I'm sure ours weren't good either. They but. were, they were terrible. <laughs> Um, But this is a great joke um, in real life. My dad, who I've mentioned here and there on the show, I think, lives back in Ohio. He sent me a text yesterday. I'm going to give you guys a trigger warning. Oh, no. For anyone, especially Garen. (laughs) There is some hand stuff in this, Garen. Finger finger stuff. Oh, 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 boy. So he sent me... I I don't know. I have no idea what you're talking about. Okay. You know how Garen is freaked out by finger stuff? Oh, okay. Okay. I thought I was, my mind went a completely different way. Strap in. Strap in. All right. So he sent me 
multiple images uh-huh. of a detached finger that was also crushed. Then another text came with the explanation. <gasps> was there a long time between the pictures and the explanation? Too long. Okay. Your brother <gasps> was injured working on his pickup truck yesterday and Holy tore off his shit. finger. Here are the pictures taken by Amanda. That's how I found out. Your brother. Yeah. So this is, is missing a finger. Yeah. Now? This is how I get. And also pictures of the detached finger in a Ziploc bag. So this <laughs> does is, it look like a, f- a detached finger or is it just like you can't really tell what yeah, it is? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, my daughter said, oh, that looks like a, a sausage. Oh, boy. <laughs> and so Vienna sausage. This is how I get the information. OK. I text him back. I said, oh, I'm sorry that happened. I'll reach out to him next time. I don't need the graphic photos. Uh huh. I noticed there's an, someone else on the text. I think, well, it must be my other brother, Tom. He texted us both at the same okay. time. My dad then texts me back just to me and says, oh, I'm sorry. I shouldn't have done that. I guess I texted someone else who's an acquaintance of yours. No. <laughs> so then I go back to the original text and realize he's also texted this to my in-laws. What? Sven's parents in Germany. Why? Why would he even have those numbers? Well, because occasionally I text photos of my children. To both sets of parents. Got it. To my dad and Sven's parents. And then another text chain to my mom and Sven's parents because I'm a child of divorce. And you, okay, got it. So I still respect the boundaries of my parents and don't put them on the same text chain. Oh my God. So he just replied to a text you had sent. Yeah, because he's 80. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Look, my parents don't know how to text or take pictures with their phones, so he's Good thing. one step ahead of yeah. them. Good thing no one in your family is also working underneath a pickup truck and dropped a transmission on their finger. Wait a second. He severed it by dropping a transmission on his finger? Yeah. It popped off? Like, Well, it, I think what happened was he was, you know, replacing a tranny. That's that's okay because it's a transmission. Yeah, yeah. As you do, I'm like, that's okay. That's okay. <laughs> Guys, don't email me. Trigger warning. We use the word tranny. Yes, in relation to a transmission. This is... Welcome back to Midwest Hillbillies. Um, he was moving it on some kind of probably chain or... You can't just pick up a transmission. So it was okay. probably being held by a chain. He was moving it. It dropped onto his hand. He immediately pulled his hand back and the finger stayed. No way. Yes. Way. So how much? I have a few questions. Okay. How much of the finger stayed? Like, are we talking an inch? Yes. Or about an, an inch. inch. Yes. Um, there must have been tons of blood. I believe so. So the way I found out the details mm-hmm. was I, I immediately <laughs> texted my mom well, and said, Guess what my dad just did? <laughs> and then she called me and she was like, Chris, I was there when it happened. So she was at my brother's, out at my brother's, because my Aunt Paula lives in a guest house on my brother's property. Okay. And heard the scream. Oh. I know. I was like, oh, I know what that's like yes, to hear your child baby. scream. Yeah. And, uh, he was screaming and his uh, Amanda, his partner, ran out and wrapped his hand in a tea towel. And then they were like, where's the finger? And he's like, I don't know. Just get me to the fucking hospital. <laughs> right. And <laughs> Sure. As you would. Yeah. And they went back and he found the finger 
and they put it in ice and took him to the emergency room. And I think, yes, there was a lot of blood. Was it, Were they able to reattach it? Yes. Oh, my God. But it, they won't know if for a while if it works because if it, took. if it took. Yeah. Wow. So, okay, my next question yes. is, did you immediately call your in-laws? Oh, I immediately called my husband and said, I texted him and said, Call your parents. They just got a horrifying text. I'm dying. I'm dead. Fix this. This is awful. And Sven was like, Sven's response was, you know, all your dad has to do, he can press on the photos and it gives you the option to unsend if you do it in a couple of, like within a oh, few minutes. Well, it's been more than a few minutes And I was at this like, point. do you really think my dad yeah. can figure that out? So yeah, if you're ever sending severed fingers to someone accidentally oh that you didn't mean to, mean to send severed fingers to, you can unsend it. See, I would want to see the picture. Well, that I'm gonna, I have me. them. I'm going to show them to you. Wait, is this the brother with all the guns? Yes. Oh, so was it his trigger, trigger finger? <laughs> <laughs> is there some good to come out of this? Oh, I hope. I don't know. That's a good question. Maybe we have a solution to yes. the uh, rampant gun problem. In just, our country? Yeah, just, just drop take a bunch off, of... Take off fingers? Yeah. But I hope your brother's okay. I do. That's well, terrifying. He's, he's got a lot of Vicodin. Okay, so he already had it on hand, probably yeah, being in Ohio. <laughs> oh, it's it's they have it in vending machines, right? Um, right. You can it just, comes in those like plastic balls where yes. you can get either like yeah. a, a fake tattoo yep. or a bouncy ball or, or a Trump bike. hat. You yeah. get a Trump hat, right. Vicodin, right? And the, in the claw machines, you can it's it's everywhere. Oh, that must be frustrating though if you're jonesing <laughs> and you have to do the claw machine and your fingers gone. And your fingers gone. <laughs> what if there's spare fingers in there in the claw machine? Other people's fingers. Other people's fingers, yeah. Oh, my God. Who went in, because they were trying to get the Vicodin. It's like you've been to my town. <laughs> See, I try not to. You warn me about having these stereotypes, and then you paint it like... The stereotype. Yes. Well, I don't know what else to do. What did um, J, B, J, J.D. Vance say now? Like, women shouldn't vote or something? Oh, did he say something <laughs> crazy? I don't know. It's like cartoonish at this point. Oh, J.D. I know. God, I hate that he's yeah. from Ohio. I know. But also... It makes sense. So, with that haunting tale, that was haunting, right? It'll, it'll, it's gonna, it's gonna come into your dreams. Yeah. Are you ready to learn how to survive being haunted? <gasps> yes, Danielle. I know that this is one of your top fears. Yeah, right. It's right up there. <laughs> Garen, Danielle. Yes. I hate to break it to you, mm -hmm. but when you think you're being haunted. It might not be the real thing. You're kidding. <laughs> so for houses with legitimate ghosts, there are some signs. Would you like to Wait, know? Wait, for houses with legitimate ghosts? Legitimate. As opposed to you're being scammed, they're not legitimate ghosts. Correct. Okay, yeah. You've been catfished by a ghost? <laughs> <laughs> Let me tell you some stories. Okay. For example, ectoplasm. Come on. This is a substance. Ghostbusters. They got it from the real deal. Listen to this. This is a substance that mystifies even the most experienced paranormal experts. Ghost experts. It doesn't, ex it doesn't mystify scientists. It mystifies paranormal experts. Okay. Correct. Ghost expert Greg Newkirk has experienced this. Okay. He says, there was a house that I investigated several years there was a house that I investigated several years ago, and while I was there, a strange, viscous fluid showed up. Okay. It dripped on my arm out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
and the family claimed that would happen all the time. It was very strange. It was kind of off-white, almost raw egg-like kind of. So someone was just jacking off on the second floor landing. I was like, is there a 14-year-old son who recently spent a lot of time in this bedroom with a door locked? (laughs) It's being haunted, all right. What are these tissues everywhere in your room? They're just floating. Mom, it's a ghost, I swear. And the socks are standing up on end. (laughs) Why are your socks all crusty? Also, why a sock? Is that just because it catches it better? Yeah. It's got a natural opening. (laughs) Isn't that why? Yeah. I don't use a sock. I don't think I ever did. Really? Yeah. Oh. I always... Is that that a real thing or is that like a TV trope, do you think? I I have to imagine it's it's based in reality. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. much, Much like... Well, hillbilly talk. <laughs> paranormal, para, I cannot speak today. Paranormal. Thank you. Paranormal experts see it as a sign of certainty that there is a paranormal presence at work. Ectoplasm. Okay. Do you want to hear some other signs? Feeling <laughs> some other science? Signs. Signs. I said science, oh, not okay. science. <laughs> I was going to say, you're telling me that was science? Okay, yes. No, no, no. Um, I am going to bring some science in. Okay. Feeling watched. Okay. Cold chills move throughout the room. Newkirk details. And even just the feeling of being watched. Sometimes whispers or being woken in the middle of the night because of the feeling that somebody's standing there. Mm. I would say, though, if there's viscous white fluid in that scenario, you've got a different problem. Yeah. Call 911. Right. Personality changes of the people living in the home. Mm. Levitating objects. Yeah, that would be a sign. Yeah. Things are. Just, I'll, I'll watch out for that. Watch out for that. I'll watch out for levitating objects. Yeah, if you notice that, before you call a priest, though, <laughs> or a rabbi. I don't think rabbis do exorcisms. Well, I'm going to get to that. Oh, okay. Let's roll out some other possibilities. All right. How about small animals? Let's say you might have a rat, for instance, in your ductwork. Oh, Chris <laughs> has rats in her ductwork. I do. And... I'll never visit you again at your house. It's going to, I'm going to get it taken care of. Like I thought about it. She told me this. You told me this. Yes. And then uh, like a day later, I was like, I, I couldn't, I couldn't live in the house. I'd have to, except we have had rats in our walls and I did live there, but it was, it wasn't for very long and it was terrifying. I mean, I'm, I'm not, let's, let me just say, I'm not, a, I'm not worried about it. They're not going to get out of the AC. Right. But it just, the presence doesn't bother you. No. Okay, that's good. You're I, a normal person. I don't know. That's just not my thing. If it was, right. it could be something else like that would bother me. Like, but. you know, mouthless babies. <laughs> <laughs> that would be scary as shit. <laughs> mouthless babies? Yes. Would, I would be running for the hills to habitate with the rats. Yeah. Yeah, I'm really afraid of mouthless babies. But they just babies. go. <laughs> oh, God. But then I don't, they're still babies, though. Yeah, but they're mouthless, and I don't know how you, you just peer through them at the vents. Yeah, that's, that is, I would call the exterminator <laughs> right away. Do call you have a humane way to get rid of mouthless babies. <laughs> yeah, can you please come right away? Call an exterminator to check for mice. Double check that your neighbor, you know, isn't like doing some, I don't know, maybe they're starting a metal ban or something. Right. Just because your problem might not be paranormal, just because your problem might not be paranormal, doesn't mean it isn't dangerous, Danielle. Now, I'm going to share a little story with you. Would you like to read a story with me? I would love to, but I have to ask you something before we do that. Okay, go ahead. That I think the audience should know. Yes. 
I've made it fairly clear I don't believe in any of this stuff. Yes. What is your feeling? My feeling is I'm a I'm a deep skeptic. Yeah. Like I am not a strong believer in paranormal ghosts and psychics and all of that kind of stuff. I'm not if you were saying between atheist and agnostic, I'm okay. probably more agnostic where I'm like, I don't know. So it could be proven to you in some capacity. I mean, the only way it could be proven to me would be if I saw it okay. myself. Yeah. You know, like yeah. or if if Danielle, you came to me and said, I have a ghost in my house. I'd you probably believe, believe you because you're such a non-believer. Right. But mo- I, I I don't generally What, what about it. you, Garen? Um <clears throat> yeah, I I I I don't know. I I've seen what I recall being a ghost. All right, we'll get into that later. Yes. So, we're going to we're going to hear that story. I, I don't know why I'm having a I I do. I believe in all that shit. Okay. I love it. So. We we need to have a believer on our on our team. Yeah. yeah. So we're going to share a story from a woman named Carrie Poppy, and it's called Can Science Reveal the Truth Behind Ghost Stories? Oh, okay. Um, So I'm playing Guy Raz. Yes, Guy Raz. Raz, sorry, Raz. I'm going to be Carrie. I was living in Sherman Oaks, which is a suburb of L.A. That's where I live. Um, Sort of. You do not live in Sherman Oaks. (laughs) This is writer Carrie Poppy. In a tiny guest house off someone else's home, and the guest house was clearly ramshackle. And it was there that Carrie experienced something that, at the time, she couldn't really explain. So it started because I went to an occult bookstore, and I was overwhelmed by this negative feeling. But at the time, I would have called it a bad spiritual presence. And then later that day when I went home, I felt it again, and I thought, oh, this spirit has followed me home? I just have to interrupt to, know, to say that I know what store she's talking about in Sherman Oaks. It's oh, been there for about I love that. 50 years. What did it feel like? Well, at first, it wasn't physical. It was just, you know, the feeling of being stared at, so to speak. But then it started to grow into a physical feeling. So I felt a pressure. Uh, so I felt a pressure on my chest. I started to get auditory hallucinations. What were you hearing? I would hear like this whoosh, like as if something was passing me, as if something was passing by me. Maybe the sound of the ocean, you might say. And yeah, then just this disquieting feeling that. Something was there? Did you think that something was there? Oh, I was convinced something was there. You thought there was a ghost in that house? I thought a demon was there. Carrie Poppy picks up the story from the TED stage. Every day I'd come home, and you guys, this feeling got so bad. I would sit there in bed at night. I would cry every night. And the feeling on my chest got worse and worse. It was physically painful. So finally, I got on the internet, and I googled hauntings. And I came upon this forum of ghost hunters. But these were a special kind of ghost hunters. They were skeptics. And I was like, okay, smart guys, this is what's happening to me. And if you have an explanation for me, I would love to hear it. And one of them said, okay, have you heard of carbon monoxide poisoning? (laughs) And I said, yeah, like gas poisoning. So carbon monoxide poisoning is when you have a gas leak leaking into your home. And I looked it up, and the symptoms of carbon monoxide poisoning include a pressure on your chest, auditory hallucinations, whoosh, and an unexplained feeling of dread. So that night, I called the gas company. I said, I have an emergency. They came out. I said, I suspect a gas leak. They brought their carbon monoxide detector. And the man said, it's a really good thing you called us tonight because you could have been dead very soon. Wow, amazing. This was a gas leak. It was a gas leak. Yeah, 
I was being slowly poisoned. I mean, it must have been both simultaneously terrifying that you were sucking in gas and also quite, you know, eye-opening and liberating that it was not a ghost. Oh, yeah. It was mostly the latter. <laughs> I mean, truly, because that is such an immediate solution. Get out of the house. That's it. The end. The world is full of demons. You don't have to live your whole life worried that you'll walk into another haunted house. Call the gas company if you feel this again. That's it. The world is so much simpler than you feared. And that whole ordeal actually inspired Carrie to become an investigative journalist. She now goes out and gathers evidence to explain outlandish claims and paranormal sightings. I mean, I'm most interested in why we believe the whole things. The, I'm most interested in why we believe the things we believe. And can they just be these little experiences that we take for granted that there's a otherworldly cause when there may be a totally earthly cause? Carrie also hosts a podcast. I think we can stop there. Okay. So... So she does a TED talk about what an idiot she was for thinking a ghost <laughs> yeah. leak was making her see I ghosts. think the moral of this is anyone can do a TED talk. <laughs> Apparently it's not so prestigious as it once was. So <laughs> also, if you don't already have a CO monitor in your home, yeah. get one. That is interesting, though. I didn't realize it would cause pressure on your chest. That's yeah. really horrifying. There's a really fascinating story I also found um, that was written up in the early 1920s where a family is convinced they're being haunted and they tell all these anecdotal stories about the children pa being pale and the husband seeing a woman and the wife seeing this woman walking down the hallway and the fog. And it turns out the, doc the doctor finally comes in and is like, so you have this really old furnace in your basement and you're all being poisoned. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah. So you wonder how many uh, oldie-timey ghost stories were actually just people being yeah, that poisoned makes sense. by carbon monoxide. And of course, it only happens in your house. So of course, you think, well, my house is being haunted. It's yeah. not happening anywhere else. And then when they leave, they feel better. Right. Often, Love it. ghost sightings are simply light bouncing off of a reflective surface in an unusual way. Human sight and senses are incredibly error-prone, so it can be difficult to trust what your eyes might be telling you without serious further investigation. That always makes me think of like there are times when I've been laying in bed and I'll just like the it's a little like you can see a little in your room and I'll look over and I'll be like there's somebody in my room uh -huh. and then it's like a pile of clothes on a chair. Uh -huh. I'm like oh yeah okay I'm fine. Make sure I think this is actually really interesting. The haunting has not been caused by infrasound. Infrasound. Have you ever heard of infrasound? No. I'm going to tell you about it. These low frequency hums can cause nausea feelings of fear, and even manifest shadows at the corners of your vision. These are caused by the vibrations of the infrasound, depending on the intensity of the sound wave. French robotics researcher Vladimir Gavreau allegedly produced such effects on himself and his fellow researchers through infrasound. Animals can pick up infrasound in ways that humans can't. Scientists believe that this might be how animals can sense natural disasters. Oh! You can build your own infrasonic microphone, and there's lots of DIY on the lots of DIYs on the internet that can show you how to do this. So if you wanted to see if you actually have this issue in your living space, or mm -hmm. it, it can happen in a lot of big work. Uh, open plan offices and in factory settings because a lot of these giant like fan situations yeah. can cause infrasound or if you live close to maybe like a huge factory mm -hmm. you should probably not live there anyway well just move what if it's a bread factory oh i'm staying nice. i'm staying here's a piece of advice yeah if you think you might be haunted move 
get a psychiatric evaluation. <laughs> Cuckoo head. <laughs> Often people... <laughs> hey, shit for brains. Why Listen, don't you get your... This is from WikiHow. Often people who see ghosts are primed to do so because of their mental health. Yeah. Before you start doing odd... Sorry, Garen. <laughs> well, no surprise. <laughs> Before you start doing odd things to your home... You know, just like putting foil up over the windows. Seek out ghost proofing. Yeah. Seek out some professional help. This doesn't mean that you don't have a ghost. Okay. <laughs> yeah, just because you're crazy doesn't mean you don't also have ghosts. Yeah, you might have both problems. Right. <laughs> it might be worse than you hey, it might be worse than you think. It might be worse than you think. It is simply a way to rule out one possibility. Yeah. Here's another tip. Record your experiences. Once you've gotten rid of any natural causes, like the rats, you've gotten the rats out, you've seen mm -hmm. your therapist or psychiatrist, you've upped your medication dosage. Checked you, your carbon monoxide. You've got your carbon monoxide detector plugged in and the batteries. You will need to catalog your haunting to better understand how to deal with it. Mm. Ask it questions and record to see if the ghost answers. It won't always, but you may be given some sort of message which can help with getting rid of it. You want to ask easy questions with simple answers. All right? Don't ask like, you know, I can't even think of What was the cause of the of World War 1? Thank you. I, you want to I say I mean that is an easy answer. It was that Archduke Ferdinand was shot, but I mean, there's more complex answers to I that. I didn't know that. Yeah. You're so smart, Danielle. <laughs> yes or no questions. Another tip is have it answer ask it to answer with knocking. One knock for yes and two knocks for no. Okay? Because sometimes they, sure. they don't have the power of speech. They don't have vocal cords. The ghosts. Yeah. Yeah. Take photos. But they have knuckles. That can <laughs> do as they knows. say. Yes, they don't have vocal okay. cords, but they do have knuckles. Take. <laughs> that just struck me as so funny. Take photos of the areas where you experience the haunting to see if anything turns up in the final image. Remember. Oh, and do it with a Polaroid because those are fun to shake. Yes. And then you wait for the image in the Polaroid. Yeah. Because just the waiting is creepy. Right. But don't shake it. No? You're not supposed to shake the Polaroid. But in the Outcast song, it says shake it like a Polaroid picture. Yeah, but you're not supposed to. Uh, right? Aren't you? Doesn't yeah, it, think, it disturbs think, the... Yeah. May, then, yeah. That's what makes it fun. I know. Remember that often ghostly seeming orbs... And other phenomena are often simply dust on the camera lens or light refracting from dust particles in the air. Come right. on. Have someone corroborate your findings. See if your family members or roommates sense and see similar things to you. Do they hear ghostly footsteps, a knock on the bedroom door, or other manifestations? Yeah. Try not to influence them with your findings. Right. Right? So... If you can find a reputable ghost hunter or psychic, uh -huh. read those Yelp re reviews, Danielle. Yeah. Talk to them about what you've discovered and see what they think. If you can afford it, have them come to your house and see what they can find separate from your experiences. I like that this article is like already assumes that this person can't afford it. Look, if you're if you're <laughs> broke and I see ghosts, you might be up a maybe work on the break part. Yeah. Let's let's get your financial. Maybe you can go into business with the ghosts. Maybe become a ghost hunter. Ooh, there's not enough of those out there. Apparently, there's a lot, right? There's whole TV shows, more than one, right? Lots of them. Didn't um, 
Rob Lowe and his sons do <laughs> a show where they hunt for ghosts. I did not watch it. Was did it you good? Watch it was actually it? good. It was, do they it was believe in show. ghosts or is it sort of all cheeky? It, it's a mixture of both. If, if it's I'm probably what you right. want, right? Yeah, yeah it's... It's sappy, you know, father-son stuff, but then it's also like, oh, let's investigate a werewolf or whatever. That's hilarious. We would be fun ghost hunters. I feel like you're the scout. You'd be charging ahead in the front. Right. I'd be like a little bit behind you, and Garen would just be sort of shaking in the back. Right. I'm in. We've got all levels of belief here. I love it. Non-belief, the sort of, uh, and then you're fully in. Mm Mm-hmm. We'd be great in a haunted house. Don't be disappointed if your haunting turns out to be nothing. As any reputable ghost hunter will tell you, most of the ghostly visitations turn out to have a natural explanation. Mm. This is this is really important. Be confident when dealing with your ghost. You know, you want to you know how they before you have a job interview, you're supposed to do the power poses like what is it? Super man arms or they tell you to do that power pose. We going for a job oh, interview, like in the mirror. Yeah, and to just like I'm stand big. tall. Yeah, do that with your ghost. Okay. Like animals, ghosts are supposed to react to and feed off fear. Oh. Since there are very few, if any, true cases where someone was hurt by a ghost, mostly what you'll be dealing with is irritated with is irritating, and possibly unsettling. So you're going to uh, have like a... Like he, they, they move the furniture. Mm-hmm. They like hide your remote. Yes. Well, that's irritating. If you talk to the ghost, use a no-nonsense tone of voice. <laughs> you bad little ghost. Talk to the manager voice. Use your Karen voice. <laughs> use your Karen voice to talk to the ghost. Yeah. I told you I wanted the dressing on the side. R- right. The ghosts are mixing your dressing on the exactly. salad. Exactly. Be stern, but not mean. Okay. Ghosts may be the leftover spirits of other people. The fact that they are dead might already be traumatizing to the ghost. That's a good point. Right? They're just they like... They don't want to be ghosts. They yeah. want to be alive. You don't know what I'm going through here. Do ghosts ever just like want to hang out? Maybe. Or are they always haunting? Are they always have a negative intention? I think mostly they're friendly. You think from, they're Casper-like? Mostly from what I've researched. Okay. My deep, deep, deep Which is research. the Harvey comics? Exactly. Okay. <laughs> Here we go. We're getting into exorcism. Ooh. This is specifically for Christians, as an exorcism means casting out Satan and his minions. Okay. If you aren't Christian, this way will be unlikely to work, guys. Wait a second. Gals. Wait a second. Yeah. If the ghost is a demon... Mm-hmm. And Apparently they it, care. It, it, Okay, but let's say I'm not Christian. Yes. But I'm willing to entertain that it's a demon. I can't get a priest to do an exorcism because I'm not Christian? I guess not. But what I'm confused about... That doesn't make any sense. What about what the ghost's religion is? You know what I mean? Maybe they're Christian. Exactly. Check in with your specific religion as all religions have possibilities for dealing with... A type Check of spirit in wheeler. with your specific yes. religion. The Jewish ritual helps both the possessed and the possessor find healing. Okay. The ritual should only be performed by a rabbi, rabbi who has mastered practical Kabbalah. Okay. But I'm like, isn't that sort of looked down on by the Jewish faith? Like Kabbalah's sort of this mysticism that's like right, but for Madonna I'm, and I'm, Demi Moore. I'm guessing that... Mainstream Jews probably don't believe in demons and ghosts. I think I think so you're I, right. It doesn't matter if it's looked upon or not. It's looked down on or not. It's just it's its own thing. 
Kabbalah. And I feel like it's most similar. It's probably similar in most religions where they kind of are like, this is. Well, because demons aren't supposed to be um, the dead, the unsettled dead like ghosts, right? Demons are supposed to be the work of the devil. Yeah. Right. So it is. It's a different thing. It's not like a dead person. Just so it doesn't matter what the religion. When you said it. This is such a dumb conversation. You said the religion of the ghost, but they're not. They don't. They aren't. A, they aren't a religion. They aren't a ghost. They're just. A, they're a demon. It just doesn't make sense. This this advice. I I think it's the best conversation we've ever had. In fact, because we're getting to the bottom of this, which is you're not going to know the religion of the ghost. They they're not ghosts. They're demons. And and or you don't or demons because you don't really know what you have. Well, you might know because if there's blood dripping down your walls, yeah. I think you're dealing with a demon. Or they've just lost their finger. Or a lot of them are having their period. All at once. Exactly. On 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 top of the ceiling? Yeah. Okay. And they're free bleeding. <laughs> <laughs> it's all making sense now. Is that what the Amityville Horror is about? I'm so glad you brought that up because we're going to talk oh. about it. <laughs> My favorite scary thing to talk the about. The Amityville Horror. <laughs> Ever made that? I don't know. Wow. Maybe there's a porn Zucker named it. Is written all over it. The Zucker <laughs> All right. I want to keep talking about this, but we have to move on. Cleanse the house. Sage. You got it. Once the ghost has been banished, you want to cleanse the space so it doesn't return. And you're also wanting to discourage other spiritual and ghostly visitors. Burn sage or cedar. This is called smudging. Yep. I always thought that was like what you did with your yeah, eye. When you smoky look. Your smoky eye, which I've never been able to yeah, get no, down. Same. I always look like an old like lady of the night. That's what they said on Never Not Funny the other day. <laughs> I, I look like a really haggard sex worker same. who had too many. I think we're too European looking. Maybe maybe the smudge thing only work works on like like pales Taylor Swift yeah, types yeah 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 that's yeah true it, it, to us it just looks like oh that's what you're gonna look like in five years yeah yeah right. hey you just aged yourself right 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 <laughs> yes yeah we can do like you know those Facebook things that come in and are like I'm fifty but I used this cream right. and now I look twenty seven we yeah. could do the ones where it's like want to age yourself yeah we would be good at that all right. You can also try salting your home's entryways and corners. Oh. Th- this is a little more aggressive. Well, that that gets rid of ants. And if you want to, if your spirit resists the smudging. So if you have the demons who are free uh-huh. bleeding in the corners, yes. throw some salt at them. Okay. And you know what else works for ants? I was wrong. I don't think salt works I for ants. I think it's chalk. cinnamon. Whoa. Oh, cinnamon. cinnamon, that's true. Yeah. Yes. And chalk. You know what else? High, um, like really highly powerful chemicals. Oh, yeah, that works, too. That's a good point. Yeah, and they also give you cancer. All right. Continuing to cleanse your home on a regular basis can be helpful, if for no other reason than affording you peace of mind, Danielle and Garen. Sure. And if it looks like your spirit isn't going anywhere, that's okay, too. There are worse things than a ghost. (laughs) Just live with it? Just live with it. Okay. All right. Garen brought this up earlier. I am going to talk to you guys about the Amityville Horror. Okay. In a different way, because I think we're all familiar. Well, let me put it this way. Lots of podcasts cover this. I mean, there are huge podcasts that have covered the murders and the haunting ad nauseum. So I'll cover some some basic details of the 
okay. story. Um, and this is taken from a, a story called The Suburban Horror of the Indian Burial Ground. In the 1970s, from the New Republic, in the 1970s and the 1980s, homeowners were terrified by the idea that they didn't own the land they just bought. Mm. Many believed native burial grounds were mystical and sacred. In the 1970s, this idea turned malevolent, becoming the foundation for a series of horror movies and stories of haunted houses. And I think an episode of Different Strokes, if I'm not. It also did seep into sitcoms. Yeah. Um, its popularity stems almost entirely from Jay Anson's 1977 massive bestseller, The Amityville Horror, and the horror film based on it. Anson's book, advertised as a true story, was based on testimony from George and Kathleen Lutz, who claimed to have undergone a harrowing experience in the Long Island, New York hamlet of Amityville. Okay. When the Lutzes bought their dream home, they knew it to have been the site of six murders. A little bit interesting. I'll, I'll tell that later, actually. In October of 1974, 23-year-old Ronald, nicknamed Butch DeFeo Jr., shot his father, mother, two sisters, and two brothers in the house. So this really happened. This we really happened. This part yes. really happened. Okay. This is this is a, a horrible crime. I, I read up a little bit on the crime last night on this website from this guy who is a sort of Amityville horror um, it, like he's made it his life's work, and he stipul- he claims that he th- believes the sister was also involved uh, in the killing because the uh, Butch, the brother, could have done all of this on his own. But the sister didn't die. But then he killed the sister. Oh, like the, gotcha. Like he, the sister was the one who actually killed the kids and the parents, and then wow. he killed the sister. It's wild. It's this really sort of wacky out there theory. So there are still a lot of people. Um, Speculating. Maybe, maybe there's just a gas leak in the house and the guy went crazy. It might have just been a gas leak. And there's also a lot of um, information about Butch's dad being pretty abusive. Uh, so, you know, yeah, it's a dark yeah. story. It's co- Again, you can go to uh, Last Podcast on the Left. You can go to My Favorite Murder. You can go to You're Wrong About has a great two episode on the book. On uh-huh. tearing apart the sort of mythology of the book. Lots okay. of good stuff you can listen to about about this story. Okay. Deciding not to let this factor influence their decision, the Lutzes bought the house just over a year later. Oh, wow. But a host of unexplained occurrences took place as soon as they moved in. George began waking up every morning at 3.15 a.m., the time that the DeFeo murders had happened. Mm. And the Lutz children began sleeping on their stomachs, the same pose in which the DeFeo victims had been found dead. The children began acting strangely and claimed to see a pair of red eyes hovering outside of their bedroom. Oh boy. That was the pig, Jody, <laughs> from the movie, if you remember the film from 1979. I've never seen it because it is too scary for me. It's, it's, it scarred my childhood. In less than a month, the Lutzes abandoned the Amityville home, leaving their possessions behind. Fun fact about their possessions, they actually bought some of the bedroom furniture from the murdered family. Like, they slept in the bed. Well, then they're just asking for it. I'm sorry. That's ridiculous. And uh, their daughter slept in one. No. Their five-year-old daughter slept in one of the beds. I don't believe any of that stuff. And I would still be like, uh, yard sale. Yeah. We're buying all new furniture. According to Anson, remember he is the author of the book, while George and Kathleen Lutz were trying to find out why their new home was so haunted, a member of the Amityville Historical Society revealed to them that the site of their home had once been used by the Shinnecock Indians 
as an enclosure for the sick, mad, and dying. Okay. These unfortunates were penned up until they died of exposure. Anson further claimed that the Shinnecock did not use this tract as a consecrated burial mound because they believed it to be infested with demons. Okay. Okay. Now, now we're going to get to the, the meat. None of this has held up to any kind of scrutiny. Mm. The Shinnecock lived some 50 miles from Amityville, nor would the Shinnecock or any other native people have treated their sick and dying in such a callous, brutal fashion. Yeah, they're not Reagan. (laughs) (laughs) But then the entire Amityville horror narrative was, it now seems likely an elaborate hoax. Okay. And aren't there also, sorry to interrupt, but aren't there also movies or a documentary or something about that author? Yes. Like kind of proven that it's all bullshit? Yes. So in 1978, the Lutzes sued two clairvoyants and several writers working on alternative histories of the house alleging invasion of privacy. In the course of the trial, William Weber, who was Butch DeFeo, the murderer's Uh defense attorney, testified that the entire story had been concocted by him and the Lutzes over a lot of wine. And that he had provided the couple with salient details of the DeFeo murders to su- substantiate their account. But for just to get publicity, like what they was were their gonna, they motive? Were, they were going to do a book together and make a bunch of money. Oh. And then the Lutzes pulled out from Weber and did it with another and did it with Anson, the oh. other writer. And why did they pull out? I think because they thought they would get more. Somehow they thought they'd be more oh, successful with Anson. That was dumb. And but so Weber already knew it was a hoax. But he had already given them sort of some inside details about the murder right. so that they could use it to make it seem more real, reliable. And Weber... And, and they dragged their children into this? Yes. And it's really... it's They were already sort of known scammers. Oh. They, one of the reasons that they, it turned out that they had actually moved out of the house was because they couldn't afford it. Mm. They couldn't pay the payments on the house. Right. Um, so turning it into this... It's haunted. Gave them an out. Okay. Um, The guy Weber was already known to be into like haunting type of clairvoyant Mm -hmm. uh, stuff. Like that was his his jam. So Weber was the lawyer for Butch. Oh, sorry, not Weber. The Lutzes. Oh, the Lutzes were already known to be. This was their thing. (laughs) Okay. This was their this was their their lifestyle. This was their jam. So there, there's a lot of really interesting information out there, but basically the whole thing was concocted. Right. And, um, yeah, they made it all up. The but murders did, did happen. But did they end up, did they write the book with the guy who wrote the book, Anson? Yes. So did they get a huge payout for writing the book? That's a good question. I don't have the answer to that, but I would suspect they have made money and off of this the movie was made from the book yeah wow, i i don't okay. know their i don't know their per- back-end percentage okay you don't that. have to get points <laughs> i i don't i hope not um the children though i know there's some one of the children said that that house ruined their life yeah and i i don't know if they think right like, did their parents try to convince them yes. that they, it was haunted? Yes. Because you don't want to trust a kid with a lie because they'll screw it up. Right. So I would, that's very interesting to me. And I I will Jesus. probably on my own go off and read more yeah. about that. 
Um, I'm going to talk a little bit more about the Indian burial ground stuff, if you don't mind, because I think it's fascinating. So what is surprising is how quickly the trope of a haunted Indian burial ground took root, though, and spread throughout the rest of the American culture after this. Haunted Indian burial grounds have appeared since in Poltergeist 2, Stanley Kubrick's Stanley Kubrick's adaptation of Stephen King's The Shining, countless lesser known films, and as we've already said, TV shows. Um, it's almost a cliche, right? Yeah. Stephen King's 1983 novel Pet Cemetery is a particularly striking version of this narrative because he describes in great detail the nature and function of the burial ground. I'm going to talk about this just a little bit in detail because I think it lends into this very interesting, uh, specific storyline the protagonist moves his family to rural maine to take a job to take a job as a doctor his daughter's cat gets hit by a car if you're not familiar with the plot of this story um and gets killed on the highway a neighbor takes the cat to this micmac burial ground and brings the cat back to life okay but changed it's mean smells of death and foul earth and then when the protagonist, Lewis's two-year-old son, is killed on the same highway, overcome with grief, he attempts to resurrect his son in the same manner uh, okay. to horrific consequences. Mm. So at the time the book was published, it's very topical because the state of Maine was involved in a massive legal ba- battle against the Maliseet, Penobscot, and Passamaquoddy bands of the Wabanaki con- Confederacy. I'm sorry if I'm Whoa, getting those names wrong. good. Thanks. So beginning in 1972, the tribes sued Maine and the federal government over lands to which they were, by federal law, entitled to an amount of 60% of the area of the state. Okay. So by that time, that area is has long been inhabited by non-natives yeah. in Maine. Yeah, it's just a bunch of cute country stores. Right. So <laughs> this was a big land dispute. And there would have been about 350,000 people who would have needed to be resettled if the tribes won this mm, case. Okay. So the government's like, uh, what are we going to do? Um, so they give these tribes $81 million to purchase undeveloped land in Maine and with other federal guarantees. So this narrative of the haunted Indian burial ground hits this certain anxiety about the land on which Americans, specifically white, middle-class Americans live, embedded deep in the idea of homeownership, the holy grail of American middle-class life, is the idea that we don't, in fact, own the land we've just bought. This is so fascinating. So King's novel works by playing off this buried anxiety that Americans have about the land they own. If you're willing to see this conflict over land as the basis of many of our ghost stories, that it won't be surprising that so much of America is haunted. Mm. There's precious little land in the United States that hasn't been contested one way or another through the years. Americans live on haunted land, confronted by ghosts who have persevered for centuries, who remain vengeful for the damage done. That's so fascinating. So I was just thinking about this concept of like hauntings and ghosts being really what we're dealing with as far as guilt over the land that we've stolen and it did it all start with this amityville story well i don't the, the I, thing about the burial ground this this article stipulates that like yeah. this this is the thesis of this piece which i thought was really fascinating i i don't know if that's a- accurate so thank you christine that was amazing well i hope everyone will feel a little bit more comfortable with their ghosts and their yeah. uh, carbon monoxide poisoning yeah just check it out yeah all right and we'll be right back after this sounds good 
Welcome back to How to Survive with Danielle and Christine. Christine, how was your break? Oh, I just got some fun COVID news. That what, what was your was fun COVID news? Close exposure at my kid's school, so <sighs> we get to probably just start testing. And Yay! Yeah, it's always it's always fun. But I thought we're done with the pandemic. Oh, it's over. It's over, right? Um, I think uh, it's just not over. I guess at my house. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, nothing's uh, ever over at your house. No, no. I just I I need to just text Joe Biden real quick and let him know. Tell him it's not over. Tell him. I think no one's told him. So we're going to do something fun. So fun. We are going to finally read a bunch of letters that we've gotten that we haven't had time for. They've been backing up and I feel bad because we're like, send us your letters. I know. But now we're now we're um, paying. uh, We're what? We're paying forward. Paying it. No, we're we're making good on our promise. I don't know. Remember that paying it forward movie with Kevin Spacey? Yes. Oh, boy, did he crash and burn. (laughs) Kevin. He got the first letters from Kevin. Is it? Not Spacey, but it is Kevin S. Okay. But it's not Kevin me, Spacey. I just want to make it clear. It's Kevin SP, but it's no. not Kevin. It's not. He keeps saying I'm Kevin Spacey in the letter, and it is not Kevin Spacey. Okay. Kevin S. Thank you so much for sending us this letter. Absolutely love the show, and every week I find myself air drumming to your theme. Aww. The best podcast theme. Oh, high praise. Thank you, Mike Henry, for your help on that. Yep. He didn't say that. I said that. Thank you so much for the joy you bring every Tuesday morning as I prep for work. As a survival-adjacent story, I used to work as a program director at the well-known community center that happened to be mentioned in a famous song by stereotypical performers dancing to less than five (laughs) letters. (laughs) One snowy winter day, I was taking my weekend day off doing my laundry at the local laundromat when I got a call that someone collapsed. Mm. When the staff in that area panicked, they called my staff and after assessment on a man in his early 40s began CPR. I was minutes down the road and raced there, and an AED had to be used. I think that's one of those, like... Cha-chungs? Ching-chings. Okay. Yeah. After three shocks, he came back. Turns out, ultimately, he had an unidentified heart defect and had had a replacement. The person was a runner, athlete, and in great otherwise health. But it deeply hit the staff, who had started CPR, who were about 18 years old. Oh, my gosh. And he eventually... They eventually left the job. Free advice. A lot of times lifeguards have to do in-services and renew certifications. So Jim that has a pool with lifeguards might give you a better chance than others. Oh, that's so interesting. I have been an instructor for CPR, first aid, lifeguarding, and even pet CPR and personally have been performed and personally have performed CPR twice. And even in great shape, just think people consider if a gym, I think he's saying a gym is a has well-trained staff yeah. to help you if you need CPR. For those in jobs, it does take some talking or therapy after to feel okay again. Like, mm-hmm. if you're the person who has to do the CPR. Yeah. Amazing appreciation to you both and the garden squirrel. Oh, That's you, so Karen. sweet. Kevin Thank S. you, Kevin. Not Spacey. No. Thank you for that wonderful letter and story. I'm sorry that you had to do, to go through that traumatic experience. But, it sounds. Thank you for saving lives. Yes, thank you for doing this because those people are heroes. Our next letter is from Matt Alstorf. Great name. Your show brings me so much joy. I really, really, really appreciate it. Oh, especially during these difficult times. Yeah. So many snort laughs. <laughs> That's all. This is really just a thank you, and I hope you're on the air for many more years. <laughs> the child in me who did uh, tape recorded radio shows. Yes. Appreciate the on the air. Thank you, Matt. 
Um, so nice. This is from Leslie Wallstrom. Hi, Danielle, Christine, and Garen. I love the show. The episode with Priyanka Wally made me remember my own trapped in an elevator story. Oh. I was in my mid-20s working in a circa 1920s office building in downtown Minneapolis. Just days before, a very intense on-again, off-again relationship with a co-worker had just ended. Oh, boy. He looked like Superman, and I thought he was <gasps> perfect. Oh, I wonder if she means Christopher Reeve's version or the guy, that other guy. Well, Henry Cavill... And oh, Christopher Reeve. And there's the other third guy. George something. George. Newberry. Who was with who was with Amy Adams, the Amy Adams Superman. Why am I completely blanking on? Because he was because he was that beige. Well, they all basically look the same. I do not agree. <laughs> I strongly Christopher, Christopher Reeve, Reeve is the gorgeous. He is But so, Henry Cavill is absolutely gorgeous as not well. a fan not, really mm-hmm. i think he wow. seems like an asshole i'm not a fan and interesting don't he does not do it but for have me. you ever seen him wear a little hat a little like newspaper boy hat i don't think he has a reputation for being an asshole he's a giant nerd well he is yeah he builds his own pcs he does all that kind of stuff oh yeah, boy he's a i like him more and more okay i you know what that doesn't mean he's not brandon ralph yes oh yeah him Brandon Ralph. I was thinking of the guy from like the 30s. Who? Oh, George <laughs> who, like, got Reeves. murdered? George yes. Reeves. No, he killed himself. Oh. Didn't he? He got murdered by himself. I thought he got shot. Oh, wait. Yeah, yeah. I think you're right. George Reeves. Because he's not bulletproof. There was somebody, though, yeah. from back then that did kill themselves. That woman who jumped off the Hollywood sign. I don't know that story at all. I don't think. I'm oh sure more God. than one person. Why aren't we doing a 1930s podcast? There's so many good stories. <laughs> The official finding was suicide, but some yeah. believe that he was murdered or the victim of an accidental shooting. We're both so. right. Yeah, because Ben Affleck was in a movie. Yes, Hollywoodland. Yeah. That's right. A good movie. I bet that woman jumped off the sign in that movie. That's why they took the land <laughs> Everything off. from the Black Dolly was covered in it. Everything happened in that movie. We are getting so far afield of our letter. <laughs> I know, but I love talking about this. Okay, I'm so sorry. I'm sorry to Daniel. I'm sorry to Garen. I'm sorry to our audience. I'm sorry to Leslie Wallstrom. Wait, do you mean Kate? Do you mean Kate? Um, Bosworth? Was she with Brandon Ralph? Yes. Well, who was with Amy Adams? Amy Adams wasn't in a she was Superman movie, was in... she? Yeah, she was in the Henry Cavill Superman, though. Oh, my God. Okay, yeah, you're thinking of uh, you know what? Kate just, Bosworth. Just throw me in the ground and toss some dirt on me. But then I liked Brandon Ralph because he showed up in, I think it was um, the Flash TV show. Oh. He showed up as a as a character and he was sort of like silly yeah, and a little Adam I think something, something like that and I was like oh good for him he's, he's gonna like, come he back he realized he didn't he wasn't a movie star and he, and he wasn't too big to swallow his pride and come back as he this. realized he had a house payment yeah that's right <laughs> I did like him as Superman though he did he was you? the most Christopher Reeve-ish really? of all of them yeah he oh, had the goofy okay. the, so, you know the innocent kind of thing oh okay I just found him Blando Calrissian Blando Calrissian? Oh, you've never heard me say that? No. Oh, yeah. My husband and I have been saying that for years, and Gosh. we don't know who came up with it. I'm pretty sure I did. Danielle, but I don't you're know. a legend of, of making me laugh. Thanks. Uh, all right, I lost my train of thought. Okay, so our, I'm going to back to the letter. Yes. I was heartbroken and spent every day at work trying to act like I wasn't completely devastated. Oh. Think Meg Ryan dance class in When, Mar- when Harry Met Sally. After making it through another day without crying in my cubicle, I got in the elevator to go home. I hate that she still has to work with this guy. Oh, that feeling. It stopped once, and a middle-aged dad-type guy got in. I would soon learn his name was Dave. Somewhere between his floor and the lobby, the elevator made a loud, clunking noise and stopped. It happened back in the days before mobile phones, but luckily there was a phone in the elevator. We picked it up and connected us 
We picked it up and connected it to the building's security desk. The guard told us to remain calm, smiley face, Boom. and said he would get help. The guard called us every 10 minutes to check in, and after 30 minutes or so passed, he asked, Dave and Leslie, do you want me to call anyone to let them know what's going on? Dave gave him his wife's phone number. I said, no, it's okay. Oh. <laughs> I lived alone. And then the guard called every 10 minutes to check in and every time asked me, Leslie, are you sure there's no one I can call for you? I finally had to say, no one's going to care unless I don't show up for work tomorrow, except my cat. When we finally got out after two hours, Dave looked at me and said very seriously, I'm sure the cat will be happy to see you. Anyway, I survived and eventually found someone I can call when I get stuck in an elevator. Oh, I appreciate your work on how to survive and look forward to listening to it each week. Leslie Wallstrom. That's a great. Sorry. No, go Some ahead. More, I was going to say, that's a great story. I know. I kind of wish she had, out of guilt, given the phone number of the boyfriend, the ex-boyfriend, and then yes. he would have felt bad and then they would have gotten back together. Yeah. That's I, how and, what ha- would have happened in a movie. Yeah. And been like, and by the way, I'm trapped in the elevator yeah. with Brandon Routh. Right. <laughs> Guy looks just like him. Okay. I've been an avid listener of your podcast, introduced to it by Danielle when she plugged it while a guest on Comedy Bang Bang. Being a did-you-know friend at parties, I'm thrilled that I get to pass along your tidbits randomly to anyone who will listen. I'm hoping none of the lessons will be useful, however, simply because I personally don't want to engage with a mountain lion or have to eat anyone's ass after my plane <laughs> crashes into the Andes. But on the off chance, I'll carry with me a bag of rocks. Good idea. All jokes aside, there was one episode in particular with which I connected, and I wanted to share with you my own survival story. In high school, I dated this wonderful guy named Zach. It was a short-lived romance, just a month long, but he left quite the impression. When I moved to a different state, I thought about him often, but I had no way of contacting him. It honestly was for the best. I had a lot of growing I needed to do. Two years after we broke up, I stumbled upon him online. My heart was absolutely racing. And since I wasn't a coffee drinker at the time, I chalked it up to love and nerves. I reached out to him and we fell in love all (gasps) over again, making plans for me to leave my state to return to his. The months slowly ticked by until the day I finally got to pick him up from the airport, excited to take him to my place for the night before we journeyed across the country together. I hadn't seen him in five months and I didn't want to have to take my eyes off him just yet so I could drive. So I suggested we stop for lunch. It wasn't in the plan, but I just needed to pause and take him in. When we left the restaurant, I sent a text to my friend who was waiting to see us afternoon, to see us that afternoon. We'll see you soon. That was my last memory. When I came to, I was in the hospital. I couldn't swallow, nor could I move. Unsure of where I was or what happened, I instinctively tried to feel around with my tongue to make sure all of my teeth were there you know, teenage girl priorities, but there was a tube down my throat that got in the way. I scanned the bright room and a nurse was by my bedside. She asked me how I was, but I was unable to answer her. She brought to me a pad of paper and a pen, placing the pen in my non-dominant hand. With difficulty, I wrote, where's Zach? And white SUV. Uh In my fogginess, I could just barely picture the grill of a white SUV heading toward my windshield (gasps) before the world had gone black. I learned soon that Zach was okay, having lacerated his liver and spleen. Oh, my God. After a few days of monitoring, he was released. I, on the other hand, was in the ICU for six days, moved to another level of the hospital where I stayed for two additional weeks, and then stayed in a rehab facility for about six weeks. Oh, my God. I had collapsed both of my lungs, broken my right arm and five ribs, and had compound fractures of my right tibia and fibula. 
and a compound fracture of my left femur. Femur. My lip had been torn down my chin. Oh. My right, my face had partial paralysis on the right side, supposedly barely noticeable to anyone else. And I'm left with many scars, including oh. the ones that come with having multiple bones piercing my legs. Oh. We had been on an access road heading toward the highway from lunch. I'd actually made a wrong turn that put me on the road I was never meant to be, which some people may find as fateful, while I simply find it to be unnecessarily unfortunate. The street was a single lane road in both directions with broken yellow lines indicating you could lawfully pass. While attempting to pass the truck in front of me, I saw another truck, the white SUV, in the oncoming lane and quickly raced to get in front of the truck and back in lane in my lane. The oncoming vehicle decided they were going to move, but toward my car. My car braked for several feet while their truck did not. The collision was so powerful our vehicles remained connected oh. and spun. So it sounds like just a head-on collision yeah. at full speed. Or the other oh. truck was at full speed. When emergency personnel arrived, I was facing the opposite direction from where I had actually come. Years later, some memories of the day trickled in. The driver's seat had apparently given way and actually saved my life, pushing me away from the majority of the impact. Mm. From the back seat, I saw Zach doubled over and clutching his stomach moaning away I've never heard someone moan before I can recall coming to again with the sun in my eyes but not knowing the date or if I'd made it yet to the airport to pick Zach mm. up I felt naked but yet also like I jumped into the pool with all of my clothes on it was surreal and I struggled to piece things together I cried in pain that I couldn't feel my legs and a man's voice told me they were broken after trying to remember if Zach was with me my last recollection before I woke up in the hospital was repeating over and over again I can't breathe it hurts to breathe the accident took me on a different course than initially planned, but that experience showed me so much love and beauty. I had nurses and other patients who showered me with kindness, gifts, and conversation. I consistently kept a positive and funny attitude throughout the experience, and although I didn't receive any well wishes from my family, what? that's its own survival story, Zach's family was present almost the entire time of my rehab. To this day, his grandmother and mom reach out to me with support Aww. and love, despite our eight years long relationship ending back in 2014. I've never been more grateful to have such amazing, open, connected, and genuine, virtuous people in my life, regardless of the path it took to have them. To be honest, it was worth it. Aww. Thank you for your part in the virality of joy. Keep spreading. Love, Melissa. P.S. I've included some photos, and they're photos of the accident. Do you want to send them to your in-laws? <laughs> yeah, I'm going to send them to my dad with no text involved. <laughs> wow, that's an amazing story. Right? Jeez, that sounds terrifying. Yeah. Oof. Thank you for sharing your story, Melissa. That was yes. very intense. And we hope glad your okay. life is smooth sailing from now. Yeah. Um, Jessica Johnson. Let's see what Jessica has to say. Hey, Danielle and Christine and Garen. After listening to the episode about gas explosion and hearing mm. your discussion on how one would accidentally turn on the burner of a gas range, I figured I would write in to let you know that it does indeed happen. Remember, because we were like, yeah, right. You're just going to accidentally turn yes. off. Okay. I'm of average lady height, 5'5", five five, but I'm a Braggart. big bitch with a fat ass that <laughs> <laughs> accidentally turns on a burner about once a year. No. The first time it happened, I didn't realize until maybe 30 minutes later and so by and did so by the smell. Thanks, school tragedy. It had only been nudged to the lowest setting. She says, thanks, school tragedy? Like a question mark, by the way. Right. It had only been nudged to the lowest setting, which is why it took so long to notice. 
After realizing what must have happened, anytime my ass so much as grazes the stove, which happens often as it's in a corner adjacent to the best workspace in my small kitchen, I immediately check the burner knobs in order to quickly shut off any if necessary. I've also had a number of black bear encounters. I love this. Most of them happened in a single summer and only involved me yelling and throwing rocks at them from my porch. <laughs> However, a few years prior to that summer, my boyfriend at the time and I were out in the woods on my family's property and found ourselves between a cub and its mother. Oh boy. We were temporarily living with my dad and didn't have much privacy, so we went out in the woods to have some that 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 fun. Once we were done and getting ourselves together, we started to speak a bit and then immediately heard a barking sound. Oh. I looked toward the sound to see a bear cub about 50 feet out oh. and to our right, barking at something to our left. I looked left to see Mama about the same distance away, except she was moving away from us and her cub. She stopped for a moment and turned to her cub and vocalized at it, then continued on her way as if to say, you're on your own, kid. <laughs> Luckily, the house was in the direction behind us. The only thing we did wrong, aside from fucking in the woods, <laughs> which didn't end up being much fun, was turn our backs to the bears. Hmm. However, we weren't on a cleared trail and would have absolutely tripped on something if we'd have moved away backwards. We didn't run, but walked briskly. My ex was very freaked out and kept looking behind us. I told him to stop, that if she wanted us, she'd already have us and mm -hmm. he was going to trip if he kept it up. It took a few hours and a few drinks to calm down after that. While I of course wish I hadn't had that experience, much like Dr. Wally was trapped, much like when Dr. Wally was trapped in Hawaii, I got to learn how to how I react in that kind of situation, mm. which was quite well. Terrified but calm and able to take appropriate action. Love the podcast, Jess. That's great. I think thank you, Jess. I think Jess, you might want to look into baby proofing. The or in this case, booty proofing yes your burners that's a good idea those because aren't clips. there things that yeah, yeah prevent you those. from yeah <laughs> a lot of good did you <laughs> right you're so i know well you know i know that was on purpose but um we that's hysterical off. that her that she accidentally turns on i i'm still having trouble visualizing it but i'm having i'm having trouble visualizing an oven in the corner that's what I'm having trouble with. I think it just like when you have a really tiny kitchen, yeah. I can see maybe that. It's, maybe it's actually angled out. Yeah. Or maybe it's just in Listen, the corner. But anyway. Jess, just send us some photos. Yeah. Send us a video. We just need to see. We, I want to see this we, magic. We need to see this. We want to see this. I don't, I'm not going to ask you for pictures of your magical ass because that's inappropriate. No. But just. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it all sounds amazing. All right. Hi, Danielle, Christine, and Garen. Hi. Just Hello. wanted to write a little note to you guys and say a couple things. All positive. First, I've listened to the show, not religiously, but often the last couple months and always enjoyed it. But I just wanted to take the time to let you know that today I listened to Mudslides and Being Us back to back. And honestly, I've not laughed that hard since I can ever remember. Aww. Lauren Ash was hilarious, yes. as I've always known her to be on her NNF appearances. Christine and Danielle, you guys killed me with the news reporter and the Ozark lady who lived through the mudslides. Right. As a born and bred North Carolinian, that Ozark lady sure sounded like a lot of folks right here in North Carolina, honestly, including me, sadly. Reminds me of Garen's famous, aw hell, from NNF. 
The entire episode was just perfect from top to bottom, and the Being Us episode was wonderful. Very sad to hear all that the three of you went through at the same time, but awesome to hear how you took the funny you found in it and shared it with the world. Please tell Garen how freaking funny he truly is on your show and on NNF, but he really did shine sharing the appendicitis story on that episode. The show is really great, and I won't miss another episode. Aw, thank, thank you. That was great. Richard from Bryson City, North Carolina. We have a lot of men listening to us. That's interesting to find out. You know, it's great. We love the men. We love the men. Okay, this is Joe Donahue. We got a nice letter from Joe Donahue. Six months ago, Danielle and Jimmy were on Comedy Bang Bang. They were amusing slash funny and mentioned this podcast. <laughs> That's my goal is to be amusing slash funny. <laughs> Me too. And hot as fuck. <laughs> Check, check. I finally started listening to it about a week ago, and I'm so glad I did. I love Survivor podcasts like How I Survived and Out Alive, but none of them are remotely funny. Yeah, that's what they've been missing. Yeah, exactly. They probably know what they're talking about, though. <laughs> they probably don't go to um, Dude... What, what What did I used to go to? Uh, the Manly Show? No, it was like... Whatever Art of Manliness. Art of Manliness, yeah. uh, While these aren't necessarily survivor stories, I enjoy the topics and especially the lighthearted banter. Plus, I am loving the somewhat topically adjacent guest stories. Does it help that many of the references... Bleh. Does it help that many of the references to TV and music are age appropriate as I am 45? <laughs> yes, it does help. It absolutely does. Thanks for the laughs and the safety information. Five stars. Oh, that's Thank wonderful. You. Thank you so much. That is nice. This is from Rain. Hello, I hope you enjoyed this story from my USMC days. In 2012, I was in MCT, Marine Combat Training. Thank you for your service. Now, one of the first things you learn before even shipping to boot camp is never volunteer for anything. You wait until you're either ordered or voluntold, but never willingly put yourself out there. One particular day during one of many classes, I'd place my canteen on the edge of the table and let it rest against my chest so that when I started to nod off, it would spill on me and wake me up. <laughs> Smart. Well, that trick has be had begun to lose its power. So when one of our instructors came in and asked for a volunteer, I was desperate enough to stand up. I was paired with another Marine and found out quickly what I had just signed up for. My new battle buddy had thrown her MRE wrappers into the porta potties with her name written on them. As that was a big no-no, we were tasked with fishing out all the trash in the porter pot porta potties. Okay. Gloveless. <gasps> Why? Why do they have to be gloveless? And why did she throw out her wrappers in the toilet? I don't know. I hope that I hope that uh, Rain got their uh, revenge. An officer then dressed us down, and of course, my, but I was just a volunteer, fell on deaf ears. That day I learned that if I could stomach that, then I could stomach most anything, and also reaffirmed the best advice any Marine can pass on to a future recruit. Don't volunteer! Thank you guys for all the knowledge and hilarity. I spend roughly eight to 10 hours a day, six days a week in my car delivering auto parts. And because of your podcast, I bought a life hammer and a duffel bag <laughs> oh, awesome. and filled it with items in case of emergency. I love the show and love you guys. Thanks again and take care. Shaurain Alvarez from PA. Oh, thank you. That was great. Yeah. And I, I hope I've caught us up a little bit. There might be a few more letters. And so if I missed you today... We were we're gonna we'll have another to episode um, where we read more letters. Yeah, well, thank you so much, Christine. I'm glad to hear from our listeners. I'm glad to hear their stories, their praise. Yes, their their. I, their I, I love history. hearing about their lives. Yeah, it's so interesting. And I just wanted to say to the listeners as well. I've been I've added a new. 
feature to the website so we can collect email addresses because we're going to start sending out this newsletter. Right. I thought it'd already be out, but then I realized our website has this glitch where you can't do it from the website, and now I have to figure out how to do it from. Oh, there's rats in the website. There's rats. There. Okay, so our rat our website has been infested with rats. Right. Anyway, it's it is happening. I just have to figure it out. I'm working well, on it. Thank you. I appreciate all the work you're doing. And we love you guys. And we love to hear from you on social media as always. Yeah. Podcast Keep the letters five. coming. We just proved that we'll we will yeah. read them. We did it sooner or later. We did it. 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 We'll be right back with what did we learn today? Christine. Yes. Are you ready to learn what we learned today? Please. And thank you. For God's sakes, protect your fingers. Yes. Uh, that goes especially for the Kimmels. Yeah. Um, ectoplasm is totally real. <laughs> and gooey. And it's not your 14-year-old brother's. No. If you suspect a haunting, check for small animals, gas leaks, or demons. I think I have all of those things in my house right I now. I think you do. Attend your local TED Talk open mic. <laughs> I'm going tonight. To drink minimum. Your eyes can and will play tricks on you. Your haunting might be caused by your lingering madness, psycho. (laughs) Oh, this is a good one. The structure of a Polaroid is a series of chemicals and dyes sandwiched between layers. If you shake your... Now I want a sandwich. If you shake your print, there is the off chance you might create unwanted bubbles or marks between some of the layers, causing flaws in the final image. Yeah, I'm still going to shake it. Okay. Ghosts, like employers, respect confidence. Don't forget you're going to need a young priest and an old priest for your exorcism. <laughs> Even I get that one. I don't get it. From The Exorcist. The movie The Exorcist? Yeah, I still don't get it. Because oh. I don't know The Exorcist that well. I just remember her being like, cunt! And spinning her head. Yeah. That's about the long and short of it. <laughs> um, there are worse things than a ghost, like severe psychosis, that make you think you have a ghost. <laughs> Different strokes for different ghosts. Oh, that would be a good reboot. Yeah, it would be. George Lutz admitted netting $100,000 from the book and another 100000 from the film, The Amityville Horror. Doesn't sound like much, but in the 70s? Oh, my God. That was a lot. A lot of, of money. Lot of yeah, money. yeah, yeah. That house was $80,000. Can you imagine? It's. I think it's millions now. Yeah, it's $80 million. Well, wait a second. Directly what translates. Wouldn't the value go down since like a quadruple murder took place there? Slightly. Oh, but it's got the lore now, so it's it's extended. You know they got rid of the creepy windows. I didn't know anything. I don't know any, what what there were creepy windows. The windows, yeah. I can't even look at houses with those windows. <laughs> I have to turn my head. <laughs> All right. Well, until next time, remain, remain calm. calm.